G'day everybody, it's Dan Proudman and David Redden here with the Prado and Redders NDCA podcast. Dan Proudman, good evening to you, sir. Hello, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Fascinating round of cricket last week and um, unbelievably the top four, although a little bit changed around, stayed as was and that was honestly at one stage in the afternoon just it wasn't going to happen. But uh, some remarkable performances during the day. So I'll run through the scores from last week. Now, importantly, and this set off a catalyst chain wrench, and Walls in and Hamilton Wickham was washed out. George Farley-Aval was saturated, both grounds out. And my information is that it was terrible and just completely unplayable there. Those of you that don't know, George Farley-Aval, it sits right next to Ironbar Creek. And when that comes up, there's just nowhere for the water to go. So uh, that game was washed out. Meriwether played Charlestown. Charlestown made what we thought was from afar was a competitive 150 off their 40 overs. That game was delayed by uh, wet outfield, which we'll get Dan to talk about shortly. Meriwether got them comfortably three down and got themselves into the final. Interesting that Isaac Wallace took all three wickets, and we'll talk about how late he came on shortly. Belmont 129, uh, defeated by Cardiff with Rob actually having a day. Daniel Williams has been terrific with the bat faced a lot of balls this year for an opening bowler. 4 for 186, so a good win to Cardiff. West has predicted uh, trounce Toronto West 1 for 98 and Toronto 9 for 96. Jerry Price having a day out there. In the best game of the round, well, two, the last two games were the best games of the round. Waratah Mayfield made a very competitive 197 for 9 of 45 overs and Stockton got them on the first ball of the last over. A nice little came out there from Andrew Nikolai got Stocko over the line. And then in a game that ebbed and flowed ridiculously, we'll go to it last. Uni, who only had to win to get in the finals, 114 with Cal Fowler taking Michelle, defeated by Newcastle City, 6 for 115, with Mitchell Nesbitt really standing up, 57 not out and getting them home. Dan, the first game we'll talk about is, in fact, the game that you're at at, um, at uh, Cahiba. And please, over you for a summary, tell us about the ground, what actually happened and how things eventuated. So this is Merriweather, 3 for 151, and defeating Charlestown, 150, and getting into the finals. Dan Powder. That's right. Well, the game where whoever won was... Charleston one that wasn't necessarily in. They had a couple of issues that they needed to sort out too, with the university getting beat or, or winning by a bit. The pitch was fine. Um, outfield was a bit of a concern. They actually brought um, Kieran Knight and, uh, and Scott Thomas with the umpires, actually brought the, um, the uh, boundaries behind each wicket in probably 25 to 30 metres because it was quite wet towards um, where the side screens were which made it probably about an hour and a half before we, nearly two hours before we kicked off. So we lost a couple of overs. Um, great that we could get on, obviously. Both teams wanted to get on, especially when they saw University was playing. Charlestown, big loss for them. Dan Arms, I think, um, strained his back really badly during the week. Um, yep. So without their skipper, um, they were down a little bit. And we obviously know how good he is with the bat. In saying that, um, Josh Geary won the toss and, and, and threw them in, which I'm sure Charlestown would have done the same. And uh, Michael Richardson just went pongo. He uh, he absolutely smoked us. I think we, they were they were none for sixty off ten, and then four for sixty three off sixteen. They lost four for uh, sorry four for sixty one. They lost four for one in six overs at one stage after um, Richardson. Remarkable. So they looked like they were on a really good score, and with the shorter boundary straight, um, he was going very well. Um, and then sort of crawled to the 150, which um, we didn't think, we thought was probably a little bit short with the shorter boundaries, and it proved to be. Um, Dave Sipe and Ben Egan put on a 100-run stand 
That's their second one of the year, second one in about four weeks. I think they're averaging about 60 with the bat at the moment between the two yep. of them. They're going quite well together. And they batted a lot differently to what Charlestown did. They actually, I think there was a chat at half time where although there was a lot of guys who were hitting um, in the Charlestown, were hitting it in the air and trying to hit the pongos and, and whatever, because it was so damp, it was like hitting a, you know, a, a 60 degree sand on. And it was actually almost sucking back. Whereas Stella Penegan actually played a lot more along the ground, ran their twos and, and, and a few threes, um, continually turned the strike over. And from there, Merriweather really just slowed on and, and, and got there quite comfortably in the end. So a solid performance from them um, to make sure that they got through. Um, and with uh, University getting beat and Hammocks not getting on, they actually, as you know, jump up in the third spot and play Stockton this week. Indeed. Interesting that Isaac Wallace was the sixth bowler, the sixth bowler used there. And uh, he took three for 14, Zach, which you'll be very pleased. Another consistent season from Isaac. Um, the next game, which we'll just run through briefly for you, uh, Cardiff made four for 186 of 40 overs. Rahul Bakshi, 79. Daniel Williams, 61, not out of 104 balls. Daniel Williams is a fine cricketer with a big ticker and can really play. And he's bowled and batted this year with a plum and uh, took the new ball for Newcastle Colts in Bathurst in January and uh, has become a very fine cricketer and an important part of the Cardiff machine. Dan Bailey, three for 28 off nine, was the best of the wicket takers there. And then Belmont in reply, all out 129. Lukey Muddle, top score with 35 off 34 balls. James Burke with 26. But uh, no one could really get going. No 50s there. Howe, three for 33. Torbman, three for 17. Dan and a pretty convincing win for Cardiff, who in the back half of the season, after getting beaten outright just before Christmas, put up some put up a reasonable show on a quite a few occasions. They started to get some runs together, and like any side, if you can get runs in the board, um, you can start to be dangerous. And a good win there for Cardiff to finish off the season. Yeah, um, I think both sides will look at this as being a you know positive sort of end. Um, Belmont really showed um, a fair bit of spirit in the last. Um, few games as well. And yeah, Cardiff looked pretty solid against us when they had to bat out that second innings against Merriweather um, a couple of weeks ago and, and a solid effort from them again. Obviously, um, you know, Raul makes a significant difference for them, um, yeah. just strengthens up that middle order for them and allows to bat with the, the kids a little bit. But, you know, they've got another year under their belt and same with quite a few of the Belmont youngsters too. So I expect them to continue to improve, obviously. In another game, we won't spend too much time on here because it was shellacking West's um, sent Toronto in. Toronto, 9 for 96 of 45 after being none for 37. Uh, <clears throat> top score there, um, Josh Neal with 22. And uh, interestingly, there were five penalty runs there, which I don't know the story behind that one, but that's an interesting one. You wonder whether it was running on the... Well, it, they've got five penalty runs, so... Don't know what that was for. That's kind of interesting. One, if the ball might have hit a helmet or something, that's probably a decent excuse and a reason. Uh, Joey Price, pretty average figures for the great Jason Flair. 11 overs, seven maidens, three for 10, if you don't mind. Two for 26 for Bill Zizak McGuigan, two for 22, did a sorbet and cleaned up the tail. And two for 13 for Jeremy Noonan. It's a, still a very, very good bowling lineup. And we consider Brad Aldis to play in this game. They're going to be dangerous in the finals, I'm telling you. And then in reply, uh, West did no mood to muck around. Got him in 23.4 overs. Aaron Bills, who's been batting high at the order, 53 of 66, and Zach McGuigan, 32. So a very convincing win there for West, and they continue on. Dan got back on board after surprising you've been most often the week before. Good win for them, and West will host the 
uh, one of the finals against Hamwicks um, on Saturday. Yeah, another sort of performance as we expected from them. Uh, Toronto, as we know, have been struggling all year. Um, yeah, just a bit of a hit out for them, really. Um, and, you know, Bill's got a good hit, which is good for them. Zach McGuigan got a, was out in the middle for a little bit, which is going to be good for them this week. And we'll talk about those in a second. But, um, yeah, just rolling along, as you, as you would have expected. And then Waratah and Stockton had one of the two really close games of the round. Waratah made 9 for 187 off 45, a very good score. Josh Claridge, an excellent 86. That's the most fluent he's looked. Dan, when Claridge is going, his footwork is really, really good. And he and Danny Lams have a similarity. Although they held the ball, the bat on the different sides. They have this forward press and then they can move onto the back foot with comfort because Claridge and Arms aren't that different in height. And Claridge had this work in the weekend. And as soon as he saw the length was anything remotely short, he was on the back foot. And he wasn't brutal, but he was superb. 86. Scott Lynn, um, who's been terrific this year, made 38. And unusually for Stockton, Nick Foster mulled the majority of the overs. And unusually for Stockton, Nick Foster took the wickets. Fozzie, six for 69 off 16 overs. A terrific performance from Nicholas. Stockton, in reply, it was a hard task. It was a difficult day. And uh, I'm very glad that we got through. Uh, I thought Johnny Durham bowled well, two for 52 off 12.1. Josh Mattea also bowled well, two for 49 off 11. Stockton ended up getting the runs with five balls left. Keith Moody made an excellent 80, and again, he had his footwork moving nicely. Josh Jeffkin in and made 50 and was frustrated when he got out. And then Andrew Nikolai, as he's done a couple of times in the last 12 months for Stockton, he came and got very important runs, hit the winning runs, was a six off Durham over uh, towards the, with the uh, where Dan Proudman and Diana Rowan will be scoring this weekend. And... Uh, Good win, tough win. I thought Waratah Warata were improved and just quietly Waratah had quite a thick Keith Breckenridge from his six players out with COVID or COVID issues, one of which is Lachlan Taylor, who I reckon is one of the most improved spinners in all of Newcastle. He's been terrific this year, took 21 wickets. He didn't play on that. So I think that made a bit of a difference. Um, but yeah, look, solid enough win. Um, really, you Stockton have to be winning these games at this time of year, but Waratah put up a really good showdown. Yeah, um... It'll be another year for Waratah when I think when they think back and go, you know, another what if. You know, there was a couple of games there they probably should have won and they didn't. I thought Robbins and Leach were outstanding opening all year. In fact, I think they might have only missed out two or three times, including this game. But they were um, they were hitting, they were putting 40, 50 on every week there before Christmas. Um, so, yeah, and Claridge, great that he got some runs. Um, that probably, I think it'd be fair to say, hasn't been his best season. I think he probably would have expected a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah, another, another one for Waratah where they sort of sit middle of the table, just above middle of the table, and they probably could have thought with a couple more wins, they well may, may well have hit and jumped into the four. So, you know, again, we, I think we said it last year, a solid performance again by Stockton. You know, Nick Foster, I think that's that's nearly 60 wickets in all formats this this season. Not bad. Almost almost uh, took as many wickets as his age. I think it was 59 at the end. So, um, outstanding performance again by... I'll let you speak to him about that on Saturday. That remark, I might be reminding you of that, of that remark. Daniel? Might have to get you a gauge roads or two on Saturday as well, just currently. I think he's averaging three or four every game this year, so it's about Tommy you stay so I'll have a chat with him about that too on Saturday. And then on to a game that was quite simply remarkable. The equation was this. As it turned out, all uni had to do was win. That's it. Nothing more. If Uni win, they're in the finals. And as it turned out, Uni would have finished fourth if they'd have won this game, okay, with Mary with a win. 
Uni, as has been the problem this year, didn't get enough runs. And that's the key to their whole season is they get 20, 30% more runs in the season. They're probably third. Uni, 114 off 41.3 overs. And again, gave um, City a couple of extra overs, which is un unforgivable. Andrew Harry at 32, Matt, Matt Corthcroft 17, Mitchell Lyle run out for 22, and Tom Fitzgerald 20 with a nucleus of that innings. No one else made more than um, that double figures. Cal Fowler has been excellent in the back half of the season and he's had to be for Newcastle City with them losing a lot of bowlers. I know that Lewis Hextall was otherwise engaged on Saturday. He wasn't there. No McTaggart, no Cahill. And Fowler, 5 for 48 of 15.3. And he's taken a lot of wickets. He's bought a lot of overs, but he's, he's been terrific. He and Lachlan Taylor, I think, down to the two most improved finger spinners in, in all of Newcastle cricket. I think that's, that's clear that they've had a very good season. And then Newcastle City were in more poop than a Werribee duck. They were... Five for 36. Nathan Hudson ripped through the top of the order, taking four for 29. What we didn't know is that Josh Bennett has been struggling. Uh, he's been struggling for a while, and he only came on late. If you look at the scores, Josh uh, Benno was the fifth bowler used. Tom O'Neill outstandings, 19 overs, one for 30. And as I said, um, Nathan Hudson, what, four for 29. Tyler Cummins scored one for 10. But the key to this innings was when Mitchell Nesbitt and Dave Smith got together. Mitchell Nesbitt ended up 57 not out of 96 balls. And Nessie can do that. He can battle though if he went to because he's got a compact technique, leaves the ball well. Dave Smith, a vastly experienced cricketer, now, not too much younger than me, but has played serious cricket in his time, 25 off 71. And then the young bloke I don't know too much about, Paul Razor came into bat at 6 for 98, chasing 115, and pretty much had to stay there to support Nesbitt. And you know what? He did. He ended up with four off 30 balls, Jonah Rosa. Um, and did enough. All he had to do was stay there. He was four or 30 balls, and as he got the winning runs. And Newcastle City remarkably began, while after being five for 36, ended up six for 115, and Pogo University out of the finals. Yeah, a couple of things. You touched on it, obviously, with him and he out. I think, tried to have a look at it. I think out of their best 11, they had nine out, City, and um, yep. which is quite extraordinary. Um, it is. And I think the other interesting thing here too was that um, Uni didn't bat their overs yet. They only bowled, batted 41 and a half overs. So it gave City an extra three overs, an extra 18 balls, which at the end of the day, I assume, and obviously it's an assumption because we weren't there, but I assume it allowed Nesbitt to really, you know, give him that extra three overs, that extra 18 balls. I think they ended up getting them in 46 and a half. Um, really. That, that's exactly what happened. They gave Nesbitt 18 more balls to not have to play aggressive shots and push one and twos. He's got 57 off 96 with only a couple of boundaries. He's pushed the ball around and batted sensibly. He's a mature, smart cricketer, played rep cricket for Lake Mac this year. He's a good cricketer. He's a And as, as you can imagine, if ever something happened to Ben Balkan, if he broke a figure or else, you could put Mitchell Nesbitt into that Newcastle district side. And I think that he would let nobody down, Dan, because he puts a big price on his wicket. He's smart. He's focused. He's determined. And he's got a bit of grit about it. And well, um, he showed it all there, didn't he? He showed every single one of those characteristics there, you know, with nine out, um, four for bugger all, last game of the year, nothing to play for except for a bit of pride. And he, he goes and does that as skipper. Um, outstanding display. There was a music festival not too far from the house of one D Proudman that might have had an effect on a few teams in the weekend, particularly maybe Castle City. Under the finals. It's 1v4 and 2v3 this weekend. Hopeful of good weather. It's been raining in Sydney um, and the Central Coast this evening. 
I don't know how much has been had in Newcastle. The forecast is average rather than poor. There is a little bit of rain um, forecast. Can you give me some advice, Dan? Has it rained much in the Hunter today? No, no, it hasn't. There was a bit overnight on, on Tuesday, a little bit, but only enough to wet the ground. But again, it's it's just so saturated. It won't need much either. I don't think. But that's right. That won't be a problem at Lynn. I can guarantee you that. We'll we'll do everything we can to get um. Well, the the ground will do everything it can to help. The ground was in good condition on Saturday after that enormous rainfall. Western Hamweeks. Well, Dan and I have got personal interest invested in Stockholm. We'll talk about that second. Western Hamweeks is a fascinating matchup. It is just straight up fascinating. The top the a couple of the best batsmen in Newcastle. Um, are going to come up against this very, very balanced west side. We've got two spinners, lots of quicks, uh, a premium all-rounder in, in still in great form, a very dynamic batting line. And it's, I think west are favourites, it's a Harker. Hamwicks are going to give a very good account of themselves. The key's going to be, can Hamwicks skittle Wests for a decent score with their bowling line given that Matt's got a crook shoulder. I'm assuming that Sam takes the new ball. Guys like Bartlett and Knott and Harry Dwyer are all going to have to step up and take wickets and keep West to a competitive target. Dan, over to you. How do you see West and Hamwicks evolving? Yeah, I, I think the toss is massive. Um, I really yeah. do. I think if Hamwicks can win the toss and bat and put a score on the board, then I think that evens it up a bit. I think I think you're right. I think West deserve to be favourites. So, you know, mm. games, um, they've won the minor premiership quite convincingly um, and, you know, they, they bat all the way down. So... In saying that, Hamwick's have got how many game winners, how many match winners, and you know, is this the last hurrah for the Weber boys who have been around, you know, for two decades? Um, um, even if uh, Matt's got a busted shoulder, I'm, I'm sure he won't leave anything in the tank with this. You know, this may well be their last their last chance. They're getting on a bit now, and you know, they've got the the the, the form back in the comp. Um, and probably the other one in the top three and Jack Hardigan too. So, you know, if, if it's all about, like, I think you're right, it's all about whether what Hamwicks can do in actually rolling Wests. Um, but we saw it last year in, you know, in the final, Belmont did it um, and did, couldn't quite get over the line because of that unbelievable innings from, from, the, from the skipper. But it can be done. It has been done before and it can be done. And as you know, semi-finals bring bizarre little pieces of nerves and all the rest. There are, are a couple of new players in the West team, you know, the, the two guys who moved over from Merriweather, um, including McGuigan. I think he's a key to this as well. There's another quality all-rounder. That's right. Exactly right. Um, so I think, obviously, you know, I know I'm probably just uh, talking common sense here, but I think the toss is big. If Hamwick's come in a toss and bat and it's, you know, and the pitch is okay, then I think they're, they're a sniff. I'm not sure they can chase him down. I just think if if West can get a lot, I'll put it this way: I think there's two significant change differences in these semis. I think the Stockton Merriweather game will be a grind, and I think the West Hamwicks will be more of a blast. I think someone can get on top very early with Hamwicks and West. I've just got those sides that have those players that can do that. Whereas the Stockton Merriweather one, which we'll talk about in a second, I think will be more, much more of a grind. So. We'll know more, I reckon, in the first three or four hours in West Hamwicks than we will in Merriwether. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that Hardigan will be setting himself to bat 90 overs. I think that Hardo, Ben Balkum and uh, Reese have got to get runs. James King's a very smart player and he's got a very, very talented side. Joe Price is made for finals and I would not be surprised to see him bowl. 25 or 30 overs, possibly on the hop and rotate on the other bowlers, but he's got a lot of options. There are so many options for both sides. 
I think the West are slight favourites, but I think that's that'll be a cracking game of picket. And it, if that the wicket at Harker is its usual flat self, that could be a three hundred to two hundred and seventy game. Quite frankly, yep, I agree completely. Handling massive, massive on handling. You know, um, yep, it is that. That's the way it is. The other game is fascinating. The two sides played in a two-day game that got called off after one day due to COVID reasons just before Christmas. And Merriweather made, from my memory, 215 off 90 overs. And Dan and I spoke about that off air uh, previously, and we both thought that that game would have been very close. This game, this game's going to come down to pressure points on both sides. Um, there's some excellent spin bowlers on both sides, some terrific all-rounders. The, the Linoval pitch isn't doing much, to be quite honest. It's pretty flat. You know, it's not going to sit there and crumble or anything like that. It's a reasonably predictable deck. The outfield is in good condition considering the rain. And it's just one of those games that's so evenly balanced. Someone at some stage will take this game by the scruff of the neck and see it either way. Will it be Dave Sillop? Will it be um, Jeremy Smith? Will it be Jeff Kinnan? Will it be Adrian Chad? Um, Andrew Nikolai? Does Simon Moore bat 190 rocks? Does... Um, does Keith Moody make runs? Does Nick Foster bowl 28 straight and take a, a few wickets? Um, you know, Anil and Selop are a very good spin bowling combination. I think Merriweather are quite deep. They've got a lot of bowling options in particular. Um, when you consider that Cuddles can bowl himself pretty much wherever he wants to because he's got Sam. He's got Sam and Sam. Then he's got Smith and he's got the two spinners to go to. Um, McDevitt seems to be in some reasonable form. Um, Jeff Ginnan's made a few 50s of late and hasn't converted them. But, Dan, this could be a 175, 178 over grind. It really could be. That's enough from me for the moment. Over to you. How do you see it? Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a grind. Um, like you said, the game before Christmas was a grind. Um, and I really can't see it changing unless someone comes in and takes, you know, three or four poles really quickly and changes the game in the first hour. But I just think that with both, you know, there's a lot of um, experience in the top order and the middle order of both sides, um, you know, and they can... Um, you know, when you've got you've got more batting um, five, Geary batting six for Merriweather, and you've got you know Ginnan and Foster three and four for um, or the other way around for Stockton. Um, you know, there's a hell of a lot of experience there, um, and yeah, I just think it's going to be it's going to be edgier seat stuff. 180-over game, nothing left in the tank. We'll be still playing late on Sunday Sunday afternoon. I think. Dan Perman and Diana Rowan will be scoring that game. Um, that should be a fascinating event. Really should be. I'm looking. It's Legends Day on Saturday for the Stockton Cricket Club, so there should be a lot of people. There should be a terrific atmosphere. Both sides have quite a bit of respect for each other. They go back quite deep. Um, it's the type that these two clubs are the clubs. When I first started coming to Newcastle Cricket, that hasn't changed. We'd always be welcome into the Merriweather change rooms. At the old change rooms there at Townsend Oval, I'm going to be with Simon Moore and Josh Keary and uh, and Goody and Michael Hogan, Dan Proudman. And the, the, both the, these clubs have a – there's a fierce rivalry, but there's also quite a bit of respect, Dan, isn't there, between these two clubs. They do get a long way. Yeah, they go a long way back. They've, they've all had rep players who have played a lot of cricket together. Um, and it goes way back to – I think it was the first final at high school, 7-8, you know, that, that was the final there, I think, was was Merrill Stockton. I think – I'm sure that was right. Um yeah, and it, and it goes even further back than that. You know, when Shane Burley was still playing, I think he hit the winning runs in a Tom Locker final against Merriweather 20 years ago. Um, yeah, so it goes a long way back. Like you said, a lot of respect. I know the boys are really looking forward to, to hopefully finally playing. We've, we've been this is the third semi final in a, in a row, and we haven't we haven't bowled a ball in the last two. So um, fingers crossed we get a ball bowled on Saturday, mate. <laughs> 
Well, I can guarantee you that the, the, the club will do everything we can. The, as I said, the outfield's in good neck. There are no, there's no, there's no, because of the drainage at Lenovo, it's probably got the best drainage of any ground in Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, sorry, past the field as well, because past the field's cut into the side of a hill. But <clears throat> I'm Lenovo's drainage won't be a problem. And it's just a matter of, let's hope there's 180 overs played, may the best team win. That's as simple as that. Uh, I think it will be a grind. I think that someone will end up making 60 or 70 of 150 or 160 rocks, and that may very well be the key. Dan and Diana might be putting a lot of dots and a lot of ones in the book, but it doesn't matter how you get them. It's whether you get them or not. So. Correct. Correct. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Just before I go, any major, any interesting stats, any little oddities you'd like to talk about? I haven't pulled anything massive up because I just was having more of a look at the team sheets and, and stuff. So, no, I haven't, but um, I'll make sure I pull something up before the final next week, though. Thank you. I look forward to... Um, oh, good luck to your Raiders this weekend as well. Where are the Raiders this week? I haven't even had a look, mate. We've been that busy. I don't well, know. My wrist has got a tough game, manly, so that's not good. You don't win the comp in March, mate, so, you know... <laughs> No, and may the, may the ACT Brumbies win as well. Um, good on you. Take care. Look after yourself. Thanks for your time, Prado. Um, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, this has been David Redden and Dan Proudman with the Prado and Redders NDCA podcast. Take care. Thanks for all of you that have been listening to our podcast. We always appreciate the feedback. We love doing this, but the feedback has been really, really uh, positive, and we do thank you for listening, those of you that are listening. Dan, take care, mate. See you soon. Please say that, mate. Thank you. Bye, everybody. See you soon.